When it comes to work, communication is key. Even if you don't have a writing job, sounding unconfident, indecisive, or passive-aggressive can hold you back professionally and hurt your team's productivity. Grammarly Premium's advanced tone suggestions make sure you're always sending the right message. Sound clear and confident in your writing and automatically replace negative-leaning language with solution-focused alternatives. With Grammarly's help, you can build stronger relationships at work, be constructive in the face of challenges, and help your team get things done. Grammarly works where you do, so your team's projects get done before the deadline. And with features like comprehensive spelling, grammar, and clarity-focused sentence rewrites, Grammarly helps keep your writing efficient and mistake-free. The right tone can move any project forward. Get it just right with Grammarly. Go to grammarly.com slash podcast to sign up for free. Then get 20% off when you upgrade to premium. That's 20% off at grammarly.com slash podcast. Oh, turn it up. Got your icon pass, power slash it. 50 plus destinations. Speaking of, did you get your icon pass yet, Sean? I'm on iconpass.com dropping in right now. Wow. From just $2.59 adult? Okay. Done. Holy Spirit, come again. As, as long ago you inspired, astonished, and confused people, come to us now. Fill our ears with the sounds of your breath, our eyes with the brilliance of your presence in each other. Fill our hearts with your good word. Amen. All of them were filled with the Spirit. Acts 2. The Lord helps those who help themselves, said Jesus never. This morning, we're going to preview a sermon series that's going to begin next week and going to really run through the summer, said Jesus never. If you're confused by that statement, don't worry, you're not alone. Said Jesus never had to be explained to a few of the older members of the pastoral staff. (laughs) This summer, we will be examining common Christian sayings that are contrary or misrepresent what Jesus actually said and what Jesus actually did. Sayings like, preach the gospel, and when necessary, use words. Love the sinner and hate the sin. Or one of my favorites, God won't give you more than you can handle. Adam Hamilton, a United Methodist pastor, refers to these sayings as half-truths. Meaning there's some level of truth in them, but it requires us to take a closer examination to what we are saying when we use these sayings. We're going to have fun with it, but we're not going to be dismissive also. Pentecost today is a time of celebration. Ten days after the ascension of Christ and 50 days removed from Passover, Pentecost then and Pentecost now is a celebration. Does anybody know 2,000 years ago when Pentecost occurred? What festival was going on? Anybody ever heard? Anybody ever on this side of the room? Uh, A festival of weeks. That's great. The festival of weeks. It marked the end of the spring harvest, and Jews would sacrifice the first fruits of the harvest from the fields. In doing so, they remembered the covenant that was made between them and Yahweh through Abraham. They renewed that covenant every year during that festival. They remembered that Yahweh was a God that kept the covenants made with Israel 
through examples like leading Israel out of bondage from Egypt. From the onset, Pentecost was not just a Christian holiday or an event. It's only been ten days since Jesus ascended and told his disciples that he would send what the Father had promised, telling the disciples to remain and wait for the sending of power from on high. So they waited in Jerusalem, but there also happened to be a festival going on while they were there. And what we miss when we read this text through our Gentile eyes is that the disciples and those waiting from powers on high were not just there waiting for Pentecost to happen. They were waiting there as part of the religious life of the people of Israel. So before Pentecost came and catapulted us to the church today, it was first and foremost a festival where Jews gathered to faithfully praise God, praising God for a covenant that had been established generations ago. So while Pentecost, so while Pentecost there was a promise fulfilled to those who anxiously or patiently awaited the promise Jesus had said to them, there was also there was also more going on in the city than we could realize. There were more people there than just the 120 that had gathered. But power from on high, while it sounds pretty awesome, it also sounds pretty vague. And because of the vagueness of what Jesus had promised, he was known for doing that, those who were waiting did not fully understand what was about to happen and also what was happening. And because of the events that had transpired during Passover, it's not like they could just walk down to the synagogue or to the temple and ask a rabbi or a priest for clarification. While the Festival of Weeks had been celebrated for generations upon generations, the power from on high promised by Christ had never been experienced before by anyone who was present. There was nothing they could do to help themselves further understand what was happening or going to happen. To say that there was a prerequisite that the 120 people gathered do something, do anything before the Holy Spirit descended runs contrary. It runs contrary to the promise Jesus made when he ascended. And when the power from on high descended and the tongues of fire appeared, there was little the 120 could do to help themselves understand any further, especially when they began speaking in different languages. The Holy Spirit, though, gave them the power, the ability to understand what was being said. Meaning, for us, when we read this, we have to understand that the languages being spoken were outside the repertoire of what first century Jews would have had. They would have understood two or three languages. They would have at least had a working knowledge of two or three languages beyond their own. So these languages being spoke were beyond that. So like a translator at the United Nations working through a set of headphones, God was at work on Pentecost, keeping a promise, fulfilling a covenant, and empowering those present to be filled with power on high. But also at the same time to understand everything that was happening in real time. That's why and how Peter was able to interpret the words of the prophet Joel at the end of the event. 
signaling that the fulfillment of the prophecy as Christ had been killed but then rose again victoriously. The result was the Holy Spirit. I like to call the Holy Spirit the divine messenger. It makes more sense for me. The Holy Spirit, the divine messenger, was invading human life and shattering any expectations that had been established prior to the Pentecost event. While, on, while Pentecost is a moment to look back and remember what God has done in establishing that first community of believers, Pentecost today is an occasion to remember that the Holy Spirit, that divine messenger, is still at work in us today. We can look back, and it's easy to see God's faithfulness keeping a covenant with Abraham and moving all the way through removing Israel from bondage. But we can also see on Pentecost that God is faithful throughout the generations, which means for us today, this morning, that we should expect the faithfulness of God to continue through us sitting here, those upstairs, and especially through our confirmands this morning. Pentecost signals a universality to the working of the Holy Spirit. In the listing of nations that Julie read, that I'm not going to read, <laughs> we see that while our customs and traditions may be diverse, God can and will work across them. No one is left out because they are from background X or they grew up in a place like Galilee. Pentecost is a reminder that 2,000 years ago and today, the identity of the church, our identity, extends beyond the local church, beyond our denomination, and beyond our theology. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit seals the church's identity in the resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. Our identity is not found in local church politics, denominational dysfunction, or theological impasse, but instead in the one who calls each and every one of us to transform the world. We also see the universality of the Holy Spirit, and the social equality of those receiving power from on high. All present were given the power to prophesy, dream, and see visions. Yes, God anointed leaders of these groups, but also those ordinary folks who were present. We know that God spoke to big dreamers then and continues to speak to big dreamers today. But we often forget that everyone, all of us here, have the ability to see visions and dreams that will move the church and the community toward the Lord's great and glorious day. The incarnation was prophesied by Ezekiel. And then God came to a humble servant named Mary. So while God is speaking to people like the Most Reverend Michael Curry or Bishop Sharma Lewis, God is speaking and sending power on high to people like me and you. The social equality extended beyond those who were expected to have power in first century Israel to those who were kept on the margins of the religious life of the community. When God declares that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, that means everyone, 
If you look in your Bible, there's no asterisk listing those, what everyone means. Everyone means all of us. Pentecost is a reminder to us that as disciples of Jesus Christ, there is no way for us to exist apart from one another. The Holy Spirit formed the first 120 people into a community. And while we like to romanticize what they had and did, truth be told, we cannot be a community of faith without them, but also without one another. This includes all of us sitting down here this morning at Mount Olivet, but it extends to the Presbyterian Church and the Episcopal Church down the street, along with churches around the world. When our differences and divisions are what highlighted, are what's highlighted more than what unifies us, it's hard to believe that the Holy Spirit is still at work. But in the midst of division, God is at work. God is speaking to leaders, yes, but the ordinary folks who are open to the possibility of what God is going to do in and through them, those are the people that are going to change our communities. Our identity as a community of believers is what connects us with other believers around the world, not our denominational dysfunctions or our theological impasses. This is what gives life to the church. This is what moves us beyond God helping those who help, help God helping those who help themselves. And it brings us into a life as a community as a community filled with the power from on high. And I know Pentecost is a hard sell to many of us today. We're 2,000 years removed from it. It seems like something that happened back then, and there's no way it can happen now because now we have things like science. We can explain everything, or at least we think we can. Understanding one additional language, let alone multiple languages, seems like an insurmountable barrier. And then there are the sites of the event. Our attempts to recreate tongues of fire on cloth or with candles or on screens, it gives us a glimpse of what might have happened, but it doesn't provide us with the real experience of Pentecost. It's hard to reproduce. We try to help ourselves understand what happened and understand how God is still speaking and working through the Holy Spirit. And in these efforts, at times, we reallocate the agency of the divine to ourselves because on some level we've bought into that idea that God helps those who help themselves. The 120 people assembled at Pentecost did not multiply to 3,000 or 5,000 because they helped themselves. They didn't multiply from 5,000 then to 2.3 billion today because they did everything themselves. And then God came along and sprinkled a little Holy Spirit on them. The hard sell of Pentecost is that we lack any agency other than to gather together and prayerfully wait. On Pentecost and throughout the life of the church, the Holy Spirit is the invitation into the prophetic work in life of the church. Pentecost is not a benchmark for us today, but instead it illustrates how important the church is and how inseparable the church is from God. 
We are reminded who we are as a local church and who we are as part of the church universal. We are reminded that what we proclaim is unmerited and irresistible new life that we are not the source of. There is nothing we can do to help ourselves corporately or individually experience the unmerited and irresistible new life. There's nothing we can do. It's through the promise, the life-giving promise of Christ and by the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.